It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning once again, sports fans, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today. Right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Lauren Tate is in the house. How are you doing, Coach? You're good. You're looking good. Yeah, nobody in 90 should feel this good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got something going for you there. Speaking of 90, my yeah. friend Jim Turpin is he 90 sure today. He caught up. He did. He, caught he up catches up every year. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? <laughs> it was good to see him. I didn't get a chance to talk to him, but he was at the ball game the other night and uh, Deion Thomas had a birthday as well. Frank Williams also a birthday this week. A lot yeah. of Illini birthdays uh, this week in uh, February. And Illinois basketball will head to uh, the state of Michigan later on this afternoon for that game tomorrow. 1 o'clock against the Michigan Wolverines. Illinois coming off that loss at the State Farm Center. If you have any leftover thoughts about that here in the first few minutes, give us a call, 217-356-9397. Well, here's the question, Steve. Well, what worked in that particular uh, situation? Will that work again? In what particular situation? Which well, part of that game? Well, you were, you were without Kofi. You yeah. got to do something. Yeah. You go small. You go small. And, you press. And right. And uh, I know you can't press the whole game, but you can press in in spurts, of course. And and uh, I just wonder now that they're going up against Hunter Dickinson whether you mm-hmm. can not have a full blown center in against him. It's, and and they got Diabati in the in the in the four spot too, so they got a one two punch. They got him back this weekend. They do. This this weekend. They they do indeed. And Phil Martelli is the interim coach for Juwan Howard, who served the first of his five suspended uh, games as Michigan beat Rutgers seventy one sixty two. Yeah, that was a good win for them. And Michigan's still trying to get into the NCAA tournament and. Make, uh, you know, improve their seed uh, perhaps in the it's big, a big tent. game for them tomorrow. It is. Yeah. And I, you know, I, what do you think about that small lineup? You, you, I think you can use it in spots, but you can't use it uh, consistently, can you? No, I don't think so. I think it's a spot thing. Mm-hmm. Let's see what Alan thinks. Calling from Montrose. Good morning, Alan. Morning, guys. I was at the game the other night. Uh, it was a really entertaining, good game. Didn't like the finish, of course. But uh, uh, I wonder why we can't press a little bit more. I mean, I know we can't press a whole game all the time. I, I'm thinking uh, Underwood kind of alluded to this the other night, that he saw something that he liked. And I'm wondering if he won't try to press at least parts of a game. Well, it sounds like he wants to do that, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I assume that he would do that – in, in situations, particularly when you're trailing, I mean, it, it's a good way to get back in the game, maybe. But uh, Well, the reason why I say that is it seems like uh, a lot of teams' offenses get in a rhythm like Ohio State did the other night. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> somehow, somewhere, we need to break that up. Last several games, we've had a lot of halves. We've been giving up 50 points a game. Yep. And that's not good. Our yep. defense isn't that good. Yeah, Michigan State and Ohio State both. 
Yeah. Well, Northwestern, even when they lost, they got 50 points. Mm. Yeah, we're we're definitely, uh, once they get into that uh, rhythm, they seem to be able to score relentlessly against Illinois. Yeah, Northwestern had a 19-2 run there one point in that ball game as they got back in it. Uh, Good points. What did you think of the atmosphere the other night, Alan, at the State Farm Center? I thought it was good, considering the weather and everything. Uh, I thought it started out kind of quiet, but it got into it. I, I really loved the ending of it. If we just could have made one more play, and it, as uh, I saw the replay on the Frazier uh, going underneath, he did get bumped. Something should have been called. Well, he got fouled, but I think the fact that he didn't put the ball up to the basket in a shot, I think they have to call that if the ball's headed towards the rim, but... Uh, he didn't. Uh, I don't think it should have mattered either way. Well, maybe not, but uh, that would have been a tough call to get. But yeah, he got knocked. He didn't get bumped. He got <laughs> knocked out of bounds. Well, yeah. Officiating uh, wasn't the greatest, but we we got away with some too. We got away with a couple steals when we was coming back that we was yanking on people's arms and they didn't call it. So I thought officiating lacked lacked. Quite a bit the other night. Well, how'd you, how'd you like to work a game when you got Kofi in there against the big center? It, I, it's tough. Oh, oh man! Uh, I mean, thought about it a lot. I can't imagine what uh, I would call if I was an official. I would just, I wouldn't know what to do. They're both bumping. I, I mean, there was one time. There was one time where Young got the ball back. He was about twelve or fourteen feet from the basket. He backed in one hard. Hit the guy. Knocked him back a couple feet. Hit him again. Knocked mm-hmm. him back. Hit him a third time. Backing in. And then shot a layup. I mean, how much can you can you just run over people? Is that okay? Well, they've been doing that since Sean May did it to Augustine yeah, back in well, championship and game. before. Yeah, 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 no question. But and, and Kofi every time Kofi often turns when he shoots, often turns right into the defender, and he doesn't right. doesn't always seem to have a, a good feel of where the defender is. And sometimes he could turn the other way and have a more of an open shot and then he but sometimes he just turns right into the guy and is mm-hmm. a big and and usually they don't call anything and it's really hard to make shots when you're jostled that hard and when you bring the ball back down mm-hmm. that you know you yeah. get get the ball down below your knees it's tough you got all <laughs> well, kinds of guys yeah. going yeah anything else Alan? no that did i just hope our defense gets better somehow that's why i'm thinking the press will help change things up a little bit keep uh, the other team getting the rhythm it's dangerous to press late in the season when teams have gotten you know when they're pretty solid in their with their lineups it's really hard to press i've seen a lot of good teams press early and then when you try to press late you get killed yep. and, and i was one of them iowa won last I was another team it's gonna be tough yeah they're on the roll thanks alan we appreciate the call Iowa won last night, 88-78. to That was their 20th win on the season. They won at Nebraska. Penn State beat Northwestern 67-60 last night. Iowa's sneaking in a zone. They are. I mean, not all the time, but they're zoning, and that's how they beat Ohio State. I saw that 17-4 to run that they made in the second half against Ohio State strictly win a zone. Iowa, Ohio State just couldn't, they couldn't figure it out. And, and for about 10 minutes, they couldn't figure it out. If you stayed in it all night, maybe they'd figure it out, you know. Mm-hmm. But you, the thing that you can do with a zone, when you throw the ball to, let's just say, Branham, you can kind of double team in a zone. You can bring another guy over because he doesn't, you know, it's you're, you're, you're basically defending the ball 
And chances are you're going to give up a three-point shot, but you're not going to give up those little short things like uh, like uh, Liddell. Liddell and Branham both got against Illinois, those jump shots. Those little you, fadeaways, yeah. Oh, man, those, those are killers. And they say that's the worst shot in basketball. But yeah, it, and you can't defend it, though. <laughs> no. The way they do it. Illinois made a lot of threes, and it still didn't matter. Yeah. Back to the phones, GB in Urbana. Hey, good morning. Hey, hey, I heard that Hunter Dick, Dickerson can't stand Illinois. He hates Illinois. Well, that's true. <laughs> hey, 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 uh, not another thing. Uh, I think Coleman played his best game ever the other night. Probably did. Probably did. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And how about the women's basketball team? What are we going to do there? Well, that's up to Josh Whitman. I mean, I don't know whether he's going to make a move on it or not, but. But he's going to have one to, win in the big one win in the Big Ten this yeah. year. Well, it's I guess about where it's been every year, isn't it? Huh? It's about where it's been every year. I mean, roughly the teams yeah. have been about roughly the same, not the well, same. Well, well, when Grants was there, at least they're competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, take it I, easy, guys. Everybody uh, knows what the record is. I mean, it's just what <laughs> what he decides to do. It's, yeah. Was their last home game tomorrow, right, Steve? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're playing Rutgers okay, okay. tomorrow. R- Rutgers? Yeah. Oh, wow. Rut- Grants is old team. R- yeah, Rutgers, a, yeah. a senior day for the Illini. Yeah, that Rutgers team might win the Big Ten. I uh, don't think so. <laughs> Not this year. <laughs> well, you well, mean, what's the record right now? You, what, what's the record? You talking men or women? The men. Women. The men, yeah, you're, you're right. They're They're 10 and 5. Oh, really? 10-5 yeah. to men? Yeah. Well, they're, they're playing some pretty good ball right now, though. Well, they are, yeah. You went from women to men on us there pretty quick. Yeah. You... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Threw, Threw me my off. Well, take, take it easy, guys. Okay, yeah. thanks for the call. We Bye. appreciate it. Rutgers plays Wisconsin today at Rutgers. you got to be kind of a Rutgers fan in that one if you're Illinois. Right now, Illinois is in third place. If if we they were seeding Rut- today, Illinois would be third. Need Rutgers to beat Wisconsin. Need Wisconsin to beat Purdue, and Illinois needs to win out. <laughs> Actually, Rutgers is ten and seven in okay. in Big Ten play. Ohio State eleven and five, Michigan twelve and five, or rather Illinois twelve and five, Purdue thirteen and four, Wisconsin thirteen and four. So Wisconsin and Purdue tied for first. Illinois is third, and Ohio State is fourth at the moment. Those games last night, Penn State over Northwestern, Iowa beat Nebraska. Today it's Purdue at Michigan State and Wisconsin at Rutgers. Illinois fans are Rutgers and Spartan fans as they watch uh, the games today. Coming up tomorrow, Illinois at Michigan, Ohio State at Maryland, Indiana at Minnesota, Nebraska at Penn State. Baseball, Illinois won its second straight game. It beat uh, Middle Tennessee down in South Carolina 7-4, to 2-2 two two on the season. They're going to play a doubleheader today. Yeah, I got a little rain coming up tomorrow, huh? So they're going to play at 1 o'clock and 5 o'clock today. Let me give you some of these high school regional basketball scores last night, and you can check the News Gazette for more scores and stories on these games. These are regional finals. In 3A, Centennial beat Morton. That's a big win for them. 43-29. That was at Morton, by the way. Mm-hmm. At Muhammad, uh, Muhammad Seymour over Lincoln, 52-43. Upset. In Tolono, it was St. Joe Ogden, 58-50 over Unity. Reversal of a previous loss. Mm-hmm. At Gibson City, Monticello in overtime. They needed a three-pointer to tie it, Steve, to tie the game. They trailed most of the game, and 
won it in overtime. 55-51 over Prairie Central. At St. Thomas More, Decatur Lutheran beat uh, St. Thomas More 56-53. At Arcola, it was Tuscola winning there over the Purple Riders 56-33. At Milford, Milford 57, Leroy 44. And at Decatur, St. Teresa over Cerro Gordo Bement 45-43. And girls sex- sectional finals, Muhammad Seymour won its 30th game. 52-43, and Fieldcrest beat St. Joe Ogden 52-46 in overtime. Those are some of the uh, scores from last night. Check the News Gazette for all their outstanding coverage. Big Ten uh, men's and women's track competition and the Big Ten championships going on over in the state of Ohio. So a lot going on, and we're going to talk about the Illinois-Michigan basketball game coming up after we take our first time out. Also coming up on the show today at 10 o'clock, Warren Hood will be in here to uh, talk about his career a little bit in the administration of the uh, Division of Intercollegiate Athletics. He's going to retire after 36 years. And we'll talk some baseball and other sports at 1030 with Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis when we continue on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the program, 916. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open throughout the program. Going to talk about the next Illinois basketball game against the Michigan Wolverines. Brandon Brown is with us on the phone from Ann Arbor. Brandon is with the Wolverine Digest Sports Illustrated in Ann Arbor, Michigan. How are you doing, Brandon, this morning? You with us, Brandon? Yeah. Okay, good. I didn't have you punched up. Go ahead. How's it going? <laughs> it's going? Yeah, I heard a beep there. I'm like, I think I'm on. Now I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Just a routine week up there covering the Wolverines, right, uh, with <laughs> with that Sunday night uh, deal and uh, everything that's gone on. Uh, did you get through that okay? Yeah, I mean, it obviously just not the best look in the world. And now, the, you know, Michigan's scrambling a little bit and needs every win they can get with Juwan Howard watching from home. But you know, one and zero so far. Phil Martelli did a good job in the first game against Rutgers, and you know we'll see what comes up next against Illinois. Did you see any major differences in the way they played under uh, Phil Martelli? Not, not really. I mean, you know, there was some talk about you know, maybe this will galvanize the team, and maybe they'll rally around their, you know, their coach not being there. And I mean, maybe there was a little bit of that. And I mean, the biggest thing is that Musa Diabate and Terrence Williams weren't available for that, that game against Rutgers as they were serving a one-game suspension. They'll be back for the next one, but not not really. I mean, Phil Martelli talked about not doing things exactly like Juwan, but also not wanting to rock the boat too much. So it was it was kind of business as usual. They shot the ball a little bit better and, and beat, a, you know, beat a pretty good Rutgers team that's been playing pretty well lately. So it was a, it was a good start for them. Uh, this is Lauren. Uh, talk about um, Hunter Dickinson and the improvement that he, the step up that he seems to have made in the second half of the season. Am I right in that? I mean, has, hasn't he come on pretty strong lately? Yeah, I mean he's been pretty good all year. Honestly, there there's been a few. Uh, you know, there were a few low spots. I think there was some motivation issues early, and, and maybe the team was struggling to get him the ball, and you know mm-hmm. he was showing some frustration a little bit here and there. That was very early on, but. I mean, he's been solid. I mean, you know, this is a guy you can count on to get, you know, close to 20 points every night. He's going to stay out of foul trouble despite being the biggest guy on the floor, except for maybe against Illinois. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, he, he's just been he's been uh, improving the things that were a slight weakness for him last year. I mean, he's an All-American, so he's pretty much doing everything well out of the gate. 
But, you know, going over his left shoulder, using his right hand a little bit more, certainly stepping out and knocking down some long jumpers and some three-pointers this year, which he didn't do last year. And, I mean, he's he's the guy that the, the ball needs to go through on just about every possession. I mean, if he gets doubled, he's done a good job of kicking out to the shooters. Uh, but when he gets one-on-one coverage, I mean, he's he's almost an automatic bucket. It would be a little tougher against Kofi Coburn, but um, he's he's been pretty solid all year. He's been He's been Michigan's mainstay uh you know as the shooting woes have gone up and down you can always count on dickinson in the paint for sure well he will step out was that ohio state who did he hit those three threes against right before halftime uh, and again uh, he had four against purdue and the uh, purdue, it was, purdue okay. by 24 yeah. points yeah and uh that was that was by far his best shooting performance of the year but he's confident out there he's got the green light i mean he's, he does a good job on pick and pop and you know, when he's open, he'll take it, and he doesn't hesitate out there, and he's knocking it down at a 35% clip. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's shooting it much better and much more often this year than he did as a freshman. What does Michigan need to make the NCAA tournament from this point out, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're down to their final four or five, and they're going to need almost all of them, I think. I mean, you know, that 20-win 20, 20 mark is kind of the, you know, kind of the baseline that you always hear about. If Michigan can – get close to 20 and maybe win a, a game or two in the Big Ten tournament, uh, we'll see. I mean, this is a team that's, like I said, struggled throughout the year shooting the ball. The defense has been too porous at times, and they've they've just got some pretty bad losses. I mean, you lose by, you know, Central Florida by 15, and Seton Hall earlier in the year doesn't look like the greatest win in the world now. But the, the, the positive is that the games that they do have left are all against good teams. So every time they get a win, it's going to go in that quad one category, and they're going to look uh, they're going to bolster their resume down the stretch here. Obviously, a win over Illinois. You've got Ohio State on the schedule again. You've got Iowa on the schedule again. So they're going to have a chance to get some good wins. Um, but but that's tough. I mean, it's tough to win those games. You've got your head coach at home serving a suspension. So they need to win as many as they can get. I mean, I don't know if there's a set number. It's probably about how they look and and which games they do win. But they they've they've got to win at least three more, I think, during the regular season and maybe a game or two in the Big Ten tournament to really have a real shot. Talking to Brandon Brown from the Wolverine Digest in Ann Arbor. You mentioned it was not a pretty scene, and certainly it was all over uh, TV and newspapers all Monday morning and even as early as Sunday night. And then the five-game suspension uh, suspension came out uh, Monday, late day. What's the, Do you think that su- suspension was fair? What do the fans think about that up there? Yeah, I wondered how it would go. I mean, I, I when, it, when it first happened, and I kind of started thinking about it and talking about it to myself and, you know, trying to – I mean, it was unprecedented. I'll start there first. I thought back, you know, I'm 37, so been watching basketball for a pretty long time, never seen it, never seen a, a head coach at a place like Michigan, you know, a top-tier D1 Power 5 program strike another coach. It just – I've never seen it before, so I really didn't know what the expectation would be. Um you know, Jawan Howard is competitive. He's got a little bit of a fiery attitude, but I think people respect him and like him. I didn't, you know, he's been at Michigan for three years now. I feel like most of the other coaches in the Big Ten would say they, they like the guy and they respect what he does. And So even though he has had a couple of uh, interactions that are not, not ideal, it was a little bit of a, you know, against his against his track record in terms of how people feel about him. So I was curious to see what it would be. I thought for sure the, the rest of the regular season, and I thought it might just be, the rest of the year, whatever happens. If they make the tournament, if they don't, Big Ten tournament, I thought it might be for the rest of the entire season. And I think however many games they would have had left, he would have been suspended for, for that stretch. I mean, if it had been 
10 regular season games left, it would have been a 10 game suspension, but they, they, they took away the last five. And so now we'll, we'll see what he looks like when he comes back for the big 10 tournament. But it's about what I expected, I guess. But again, there wasn't really anything to lean back on and look at Well, this happened before. So this is what it will be. I just thought they would, you know, sit him down for a while, let him figure out and and realize that he can't do that. And he came out with a statement afterwards. It was very remorseful, which he wasn't in the immediate aftermath of it up in, uh, up in Madison. So yeah, just a, not a good look. Uh, I, I'm sure he feels pretty badly about what he did and knows that he can't do those kinds of things. And, you know, we'll, we'll see him here after the next four games. Well, Brandon, you know, I, I, when I saw it, I thought, well, maybe that'd be a two-game suspension because that's all the Big Ten itself can give him. But I forgot, and, and, and as soon as it came up about the, the Maryland issue a, a year before, I wondered if maybe – he wasn't on some kind of a probation relative to that 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 threw this thing and caused Michigan itself to give him three more games. You think that played into it, uh, what happened a year ago? Yeah, I'm sure it came up. I'm sure it was discussed and thought about. I don't know if there was any, you know, official probation period like you mentioned. I don't, I mean, if there was, it wasn't, it wasn't made public. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe Ward Manuel, the athletic director at Michigan, had a chat with Juwan and said, hey, you know, you can't do stuff like this. And if it happens again, then, you know, we'll see. Or, yeah, I don't know. I, I certainly think that that could have played into the decision to, to stack a couple more games onto it. But we heard from Phil Martelli that Ward Manuel, uh, uh, Phil Martelli called it a master class in leadership. Ward Manuel talked to the team and, and broke down exactly what happened talked about why the suspensions were doled out, talked about why they were appropriate and stuck by, you know, stuck by the punishment. And I think that was a, that was a step in the right direction. I wish Ward Manuel would have spoke. He didn't, he, he get, he uh, put out a statement, but that was really about it. But apparently behind closed doors and in the locker room and with the team and with everybody involved, he apparently did a really good job. And that's, you know, that's coming from Phil Martelli, who's been a head coach for 25 years at St. Joe's and been around basketball his whole life. So I'll take his word for it. You know, Phil doesn't, uh, he doesn't blow a lot of smoke, so if he said something happened in a good way, then I'll take his word for it. Apparently that's what Ward Manuel did. What's uh, going on on the football side? I noticed a lot of uh, changes on the assistant coaching staff up there. Yeah, second year in a row, a bunch of new faces doing some new things. Spring practice just started this week on Monday. Uh, the spring game will be on April 2nd, and apparently it's going to be on TV for the first time in quite a while, so we'll see what that looks like. And Yeah, I mean, Jim Harbaugh last year, Uh, hired six new assistant coaches he didn't hire as many people this year but he did shift some guys around a little bit so there's you know a new tight ends coach who was a just an analyst last year and the former safeties coach ron bellamy is now coaching the wide receivers and sharon moore who was the o-line coach last year has been promoted to the offensive coordinator spot so yeah so there there have been some moves the two new faces are jesse minter who was the defensive coordinator at vanderbilt is now the dc at michigan and Mike Elston, who was the D-line coach at Notre Dame, is now the D-line coach at Michigan. He's a former Michigan player. So those are the only two new faces that were brought in from the outside. But, yeah, a lot of guys moving around, doing some new things in 2022. But after last year, you, you really kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Last year I was I was leery of that. Coming off a 2-4 and four season, lots of new hires, lots of new faces. I thought there'd be some bumps in the road. And it was about the smoothest road that, <laughs> that Michigan has had in 25 years. So, uh, looked really good, and so we'll see how that plays out this year. But yeah, it's new guys doing some new things, so you know that always provides some question marks. And you know we'll we'll see it here a little bit on April second for the spring game. Well, Brandon, back to basketball. What do you expect to happen in this game Sunday? Oh man, I 
Illinois is really good. I mean, Illinois is really good. They've they've got the you know the I guess you could call them maybe the hunter stopper in Kofi just being so big and a matchup problem. I mean, Dickinson is used to being the biggest guy on the floor, and he's not against Kofi, and he's not against Zach Eady from Purdue, and he gets neutralized a little bit. I mean, he's still going to score. He's still going to do his thing, but he has to be careful with foul trouble and stay on the court because when he goes out, Michigan's offense really bogs down. Um, he does such a good job of of kicking out of double teams, but that, I don't think they need to double team when you've got a guy as big or bigger than him, and that just doesn't happen very often. So, you know, there's a a few key things that I feel like always need to happen. Hunter Dickinson needs to stay on the floor and play efficient minutes. Caleb Houston, the freshman, needs to knock down at least three three-pointers. When he scores 10 points, the, the Wolverines are 9-0. and I just saw that stat last week. When so, he scores when 10, he huh? When, when when, he, yeah, when he scores – Double digits, they they win, and when he doesn't, they don't. I mean, he's been he's been he's had some really really good games, and he's had some some pretty poor games for a guy who was supposed to be uh, you know a top five recruit, maybe a one and done and a, a knockdown shooter. He just hasn't had games like that every single night. But when he does, they're really hard to beat. And then Devonte Jones, the grad transfer point guard, didn't didn't acclimate as fast as some thought he would, but he's been pretty solid the last six eight games. I mean, he, you know, he, he's He's good for 10 points, 6, 8 rebounds, and 8 to 10 assists every night, it seems like, for the last five or six games. So if those three guys can play up to their, their highest potential, you know, they'll have a shot to beat Illinois. But that's like I said, they've got these four games left, but they're all against, you know, the top four, five, six teams in the Big Ten. So it's going to be a test for sure. I think, I think initially I had Michigan losing this one, but after they beat Rutgers and the way that they did it, even without Diabate and Williams and seeing what Martelli was going to do, I think it's. Uh, I think Michigan's got a real shot to get them at home. Hey, Brenda, we appreciate your time. Good to have you on again, and we'll do it again down the road. Thanks. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. That's Brandon Brown from Wolverine Digest up in Ann Arbor, part of the uh, Sports Illustrated Network. It is 9.28 here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, as you may have heard this week. Uh, we have teamed with Game Day Spirit to give listeners a chance to win prizes each week from our friends at Game Day Spirit. Prizes are updated each week. We're going to give away the first prize coming up in about 30 minutes. It's a $50 gift card. We're going to do that right before the 10 o'clock hour. And to register um, for these prizes ongoing, you can go to our Facebook page or to the website at wdws.com. Register to win at the contest tab at the top of the page, and then we'll be announcing the winners on Saturday Sports Talk each week, and we'll do that first one coming up just before 10 o'clock. It's 929. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate on guitar this morning with our Sports Talk band playing the backup music. 931 is the time. Talk some Illinois basketball. I'd like to welcome uh, to the program former Illini basketball player out of uh, Alexandria, Virginia, the number two rebounder in Illinois history. Mike Davis is with us. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. We saw you at the ball game uh, the other night and have seen you several times over watching the fighting Illini. Get us up to date on uh, what you're doing these days. Uh, yeah, you know, um, I had a nine-year playing career between overseas and here in the G League. Um, the past two years, um and slowed down for me with COVID and the restrictions and getting overseas and stuff like that. So an opportunity arose here with the university and working with the I-Fund and under Howard Newton and Kevin Mitchell, and that's what I'm doing right now and, you know, finishing up my degree. 
You're part of the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the Lou and Mary Henson Scholarship uh, Program. Is that right? I am. Good. That's good to see you back in town. And uh, what do you hope to do then uh, down the road? Uh, hopefully I can get on the sideline, you know, following Chester's footsteps. You know, <laughs> he's had a successful, successful, you know, post-playing career also. So he's one of my big brothers from my team that I kept in contact with. And, you know, hoping I can get over there, help him and Coach Underwood and the players get to that next level where they want to be. What did you think of the game the other night? Uh, it was a tough game. You know, Ohio State's a very good team also. It was a Big Ten battle, you know. Um, the guys are at a place at the end of the season where, you know, I'm pretty sure we're looking for the Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament. So this is the toughest stretch of the season and finishing the season strong. So, you know, we're right there. We'll talk about the team a little bit and, and, and you know, how we're using Kofi and, and how do you get out being just strictly a Kofi and a three-point team. We got a – we got a caller today say, well, that's that's all they do. They either throw it to Kofi or they or they shoot threes. And you got to do more than that, I guess. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, everything goes through Kofi. You know, if he has a good game, he's usually going to win the game. You know, he's going to get his 20 and 10, 20 and 12. So he's a dominant force in the paint. I mean, it's one of those things, too. As we go as Trent goes also, you know, to me, he seems like he's a little bit tired. You know, like I said, it's the point in the season where, you know, guys might hit a little bit of a wall. And, again, he might be looking ahead to the tournament, but it's the toughest part of the season coming from a player's perspective. So, again, we got to get Kirk Bello back on board. You know, he's trying to get back in shape. He was out for a while with a concussion. And, you know, I know it's hard for him to, you know, adjust to the team chemistry and get him back in the mix when we were playing so well. So, it's one of those things, you know, we got to get the chemistry right heading to the end of the season. Well, I was going to ask you about Curbelo because it seemed like he's he's having a tough time finding his what they call his rhythm, and uh, you know he hasn't yet yet you know he didn't have any mistakes the other night. I think he had one turnover, but he's not um, he's not as dom he's not the dominant force that we expected him to be uh, yet. It's kind of like he's having to take an what you would you call it a secondary role so far. I mean, he's not taking over like we thought he would. Yeah, again, you know, he like I said, he played early in the season and he settled for a while, you know. So, again, coming from a player's perspective, I understand where he's at, you know, team-wise and, you know, trying to get back into the rotation. And, again, it's probably tough on coach, you know, trying to get him back into the rotation and playing with certain guys who he plays well with. And, again, you know, we're in the part of the season where if he hits his stride correctly, and like you said, he plays who we know he can play like, the real Andre Carbello, like we said, the dominant force and the player we saw last year in the tournament. This is the time that we can get, we can get him in that stretch, finishing the season right here. Mike is a guy that got 909 rebounds for Illinois. Uh, you know, must know what it's like in the paint. <laughs> how does official? How if you're an official, how do you call all that bumping and grinding that's going on in there and grabbing? Yeah, it's it's tough to officiate uh, Kofi down there, man. He's so big, and they always double him, and he can take contact. So, you know, he's an All-American also, so he's going to get some calls, of course, and which is great for us, you know. So, I know, it's not easy to officiate down there, that big dude down there, man. He's down there dunking on dudes every night and rebounding and screaming in your face. So, you know, we're glad to have him on our side. Visiting with Mike Davis, a couple of more minutes. Uh, take us back a little bit to uh, 2007, 2008, when you uh, – came to Illinois uh, from uh, Virginia uh, about your decision to come here. What uh, kind of tipped uh, the scales in favor of the Illini? Um, 
I took a late visit. I was a late signee um, in August, and Coach Weber was here at the time. That was my coach, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the visit went perfectly. You know, I met with the right people. You know, went out to eat. Um, met went to Coach's house. Met his family. You know, Coach Webster was the my number one recruit. He was assistant coach at the time, and you know, everything just went perfectly. You know, and it's just like a family atmosphere, and you know. The result was great. I had a great four-year career, as you guys know. Yeah, second, as uh, we mentioned, with 909 rebounds. Couldn't quite catch James Augustine with 1,023, but uh, to be second on that list all time, that's uh, you got to feel pretty proud about that. Yeah, it's a special feat. You know, I don't take it for granted at all. You know, I was a – and that team, the, the team that we, we had at the time, uh, the role that I had for the team was, you know, pretty much get double-doubles. So, right, right. You know, I got my my – 12 to 15 points and 10 rebounds, you know, so that's what my my role I was going for the team. Mike, where'd you play overseas? Oh, man. Uh, I was in Turkey for three years. I was in the Ukraine for two years. Ukraine? Uh, yeah, I played. Yeah, I know. Prayers out to them in that country that was going on over there. Um, I played in Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. Um, I was all over. I was in Europe. I was in Europe a bunch, and then I played in the G League, as I told you guys. Where'd you play in the G League? Uh, the Westchester Knicks. I played for the Sioux Falls Sky Force, and then I played um, my last stop was the Capital City Go Go, the Wizards affiliate. It's nice to see um, what Io is doing. Io Dusuma with the Bulls and Malcolm Hill on that roster too. Yeah, yeah, man. Io, man, he's been balling the past two months. It looks like he's getting more comfortable out there. Looks like Demar, you know, he came down for his jersey retirement ceremony. Looks like that's his big brother on the team. Right. So. It's a great, it's a great thing for Io to have him as his role model on the team because he's doing a good job on the court. Well, Mike, it's good to catch up with you. We uh, we'll do it again maybe uh, during tournament time and get your take on that. Uh, welcome back to town, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, fellas, thanks for having me. You bet. Yeah, that's Mike Davis, former line. I played from 2008 to 2011 for Bruce Weber. He's number 27 on the uh, scoring list too. It's probably changed a little bit now with Trent Frazier moving up it, but. Uh, Still in the top 30 of the all-time scoring list. He averaged 9.3 points per ball game in his four-year career in those uh, 909 rebounds. It is 9.38, a timeout, and more. The Lili Pella Saturday Sports Talk coming up after this. We are moving up on 9.41 on the Lili Pella Saturday Sports Talk. This is Steve Kelly with Lauren Tate, and we're here until 11 o'clock as usual. Illinois basketball back in action tomorrow on the road at Michigan. Thanks to uh, former Illini Mike Davis, who spent a few minutes with us before the break to talk some Illinois basketball. And we're happy to welcome uh, to the program now the pride of Peoria, Illinois, and a birthday guy this week. Frank Williams is with us this morning. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm great. How about you? Happy birthday. We're good. Uh, You're getting to be old like uh, Lauren and me. Oh, yeah, man, man. I'm coming up age. You know, I, I know early risers are the things at this age. <laughs> well, speaking of that, five years of your son, DeMonte, here at the U of I, have those years gone by kind of quickly for you, or have they drug out, or a little bit of both? Uh, I think they went a little bit too fast for me personally. You know, I like to see him stay another two, three years if he could, you know, but you know, I've, I've had fun watching him. You know, it's been a great five years for him. He had a great run there, you know, and I'm looking forward to the future. Of course, he committed, along with Trent uh, Frazier, to uh, John Gross 
and then they both decided to stay when uh, Brad Underwood came in. Did uh, you, Can you recall what those conversations were like uh, at that time, maybe when he was making up his mind to, to stay or stay committed to Illinois? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, those, those days were, you know, great conversations between him and I. You know, he, he kind of already had his mind made up that he wanted to stay close to home, you know, so his parents and family and friends can get the chance to still come and visit him and, and see him play, and, you know, just get to know a different community, you know, at the same time. He's out there learning. He's out there with great people, you know, the great U of I, you know, and, and he's got players behind his back, so he, he's been pretty good. You know, Frank, it's it's interesting that the two of you turned out to be such different basketball players. You were a playmaker, a guard, and a scorer, and he's been basically a defensive standout who hasn't scored that much. Has that come as any kind of a surprise to you that he isn't more of a scorer? Uh, no, you know, it, it's kind of as Demonte. You know, he, he's always been for others. He's always been, you know, sacrificed himself in his game for you know, the sacrifice of the team, you know, and you always want a team player and a guy like him around. So, you know, I, I think it's been great. You know, me personally, you know, I, I would shoot every time down if I could. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's good It's good to see him out there battling with the guys out there. You know, I think we're doing pretty good. We're being third in the Big Ten now or something. Yep. Uh, we're, we're coming along. We should be pretty good here come March. Well, what's uh, what are your reflections on you played with, Griff and McLean, uh, guys from your manual team. You had Cook here, uh, you know, from Lincoln, and of course uh, Corey Brad. That team kind of was hung together for several years. It was the same. You were a year behind them, but uh, in 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 school. But but uh, what what are your reflections on that that group that you played with? Oh man, the group I played with was unbelievable. You know, I, I think we brought a lot of excitement, you know, to the school, to the community, to the Illinois bound fan base. You know, and, and those are just great guys to play with. Like Hard-nosed, tough, you know, gritty, stay-in-your-face type of guys. You know, we, we couldn't run around a lot of people, but, you know, we, we battled you pretty pretty hard. You'd be beat up after the game, you know. But it was fun times, man. Great memories and great relationships. You know, it was just a fun bunch. Were you surprised to see Self go when he did? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I wish that Self would have been still there, you know. Me personally, I think he's a great coach. You know, it, it was hard to see him go, you know, but he had decisions and families of his own he needed to make, you know. But, yeah, it was, it was real tough seeing him watching him go. But Underwood and those guys, you know, they've come through. You know, they, they've had success throughout the years. You know, and, and I continue to wish them the best. Talking to Frank Williams, you played for Self and Kruger, a couple of, uh, in our minds, Hall of Fame coaches. I'm sure you learned a lot from those guys. Yeah, yeah. My my first year, you know, was pretty rough with, with Coach Kruger. You know, he, he he was more trying to teach me the game and teach me about life, and I wasn't accepting it and taking it in as well as I could. You know, and kind of when he left and self came, he kind of, you know, I kind of had a little talk with myself, you know, kind of get on board with these guys. They know way more about what I know, you know. So it's kind of hard to hold those guys. Good to have those guys in your corner, you know, as, as life goes on. They help you prepare and, and get you ready for, for battle. You know, it's, it's funny, those talks with yourself, they come along at uh, different times for different people, and they come along uh, sometimes more frequently than others, but you got to have them now and then, don't you? You got to have them. You got to have them. 
you know, it, it's a great eye opener. You know, you always want to learn yourself, know what you're capable of, know your strengths and weaknesses. Talk a little. You know, you, you, you get that out the way, you you'd be pretty good. Right. Talk about uh, your time in the NBA. How many teams did you play with? Uh, I played with two teams, just uh, Chicago and New York. Right. It was. It was. I had. I had a great time up there. You know, those days is pretty exciting. You know, my family, and my fan base. You know, like I say, you of idols, students and faculty and everybody got the chance to see, you know, one of their players go to another level. You know, it just brings excitement. You know, I'm very honored, very blessed. You know, I have a great life. What are your thoughts on what Io is doing right now? Oh, man, I was they, they coming along, man. They, hopefully they don't, we, they, we don't have too much trouble with them at the end of the year, you know, but they're they pretty good, man. Do you get a chance to talk to Damani much about uh, the games and the and the team this year? Uh, if so, what are, what are some of the comments you hear? Um, yeah, I talk to him a lot. You know, he, he's always talking about how the guys are always, you know, willing to learn. You know, with him being a veteran now, especially with him being a veteran now, guys are, you know, they're taking on their responsibility a lot more. You know, they, they're man owning up to their accountabilities. You know, just just have out there having fun, trying to teach those guys. You know, keep the tradition going. You know, what what kind of sacrifices to make. You know, it's just to be a better person in life. There's a there are a more of a three point shoot. I, I, as I recall, your team. This is more of a three point shooting team than back when you played. Am I right on that? Uh, I would say so. I mean, Bradford you know, a, Bradford got his snipers on our team. You know, with Corey and. Shy and those guys, you know, we had we had a few snipers, but yeah, it seems like nowadays, you know, everybody's shooting out there, so there's really no comparison. We had a few, but out nowadays, they have way more outside shooters than we had. Yeah. yeah. What's happened to the mid-range game in the <laughs> yeah. game of basketball? Well, yeah, I think the mid-range disappeared. It'll come back around, you know, every every time something goes on, some news invented, you know, it, it always, history always seems to repeat itself. So it, we'll have another era of it. Well, you were there uh, for the Ohio State game, and they had a good mid-range game, I thought. I mean, those two yeah. guys, uh, Branham and Liddell, just killed Illinois inside. Yeah, yeah they did. You know, they, they, they were pretty good mid-range. You know, we still had a chance. We, we fought. You know, those guys just... They were making shots. You know, I, I like the way we play. <laughs> you know, they, they just make a tough shot, shots after shots. And, you know, we just got to get a little better at that. But other than that, I think we're good. Another minute or so with Frank Williams. What are your thoughts about Kofi's eventual um, possibilities at the NBA level? You played in the league, and maybe the game is a little bit different now than it was then. But what are your thoughts about Kofi? Uh, I think he has a great shot. I think he'll do actually pretty good in the league. You know, they they have someone to, you know, obtain the inside, you know, take cover the inside as well as they do. I know a lot of those guys shoot long balls now, but to be dominant, you know, like a Shaquille O'Neal, you know, it helps change the game a little bit. Your game plan won't go into effect as much. But I think he'll do pretty good. You know, I, I wish him the best, and I, and I hope he gets selected, you know, first round somewhere early. Is there one or maybe two games in your Illinois career when you think back that, that stand out the most to you? Oh, I have – the memories I have are the ones of the losses. You right. Know? <laughs> uh, you know, it's hard – it's good to remember the good, but I, I remember the losses more than, you know, and my last two years, our last games are the two games I remember the most. You know, we, we 
almost got there, and you know, very, very close, but you know, just couldn't get over that hump. Well, Frank, uh, what's I, the, by the way, I remember the Minnesota game up there. And yeah, oh la- yeah, and that last basket, what a what a picture when you went up for that uh, layup, basically, and. And, and 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 they had the picture of the crowd all with their mouths open. They couldn't believe. I think you had three. Uh, you had three uh, steals in the last seventeen seconds of a game, and and yeah, pulled that one that out. Crazy guys. Yeah, I, I, I always say, I always say Corey Bradford say this on that because as soon as the ball goes to him, he just picks it up and just shoots a three. You know, but Corey was a long sniper man. He shoots in different area codes. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. one of the toughest guys I ever played with. Yeah. Well, Frank, what's keeping you busy these days besides watching uh, the uh, tail end of DeMonte's collegiate career? Oh, man, just got my hands. I'm back here in Peoria right now. You know, got my hands on a few things. And, you know, my main thing is, you know, make sure these youngins, you know, everyone's getting reached out to have a better life than we did, you know. Very good. Hey, Frank, good to catch up with you. Uh, thanks for taking time on uh, this early Saturday morning, and we hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again soon. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. You bet. Thanks, Frank. That's Frank Williams, one of the all-time greats at Illinois. Is he a future Hall of Famer, you think? Big Ten MVP. Yes. Yeah, I think so. You know, he he was selling himself short about uh, coming down and shooting. He's number uh, nine on the all-time assist list as well. Oh, yeah. He, he had a, 432 he assists. Point. He did everything as a point guard. Yeah, and he's number four on the list in steals. With 212, number 18 in scoring, 14.3 points a ball game. Certainly one of the all-time greats in Illinois basketball history. It is 9:51. If you're looking uh, to replace your windows or doors sometime as we get towards spring, if we ever get there, it looks nice out with the uh, sun shining uh, this morning, and it's only 14 degrees. Though it says feels warmer than that, but that's what our temperature says. But if you're thinking about windows and doors at your house, think about the friends at uh, Lion-Eye Pillow Windows and Doors. I just had a storm door from them installed yesterday on my house in Savoy. So whether you're looking at new or replacement windows or doors, check them out at the uh, showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you can see the products in person. Pella is rated number one by Champaign homeowners as the window brand that uh, can improve uh, the value of your home. And the folks out there know all about what type of window or door works best for each unique home. And working with the folks at Illini Pella is an easy process. They'll be there to help you with uh, just about every step of the uh, process, from the shopping to the installation. Visit the showroom to get started, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. If you want to check them out online, PellaofChampagne.com. 9.52 is the time. We've told you all week long that uh, we are partnering with our friends at Game Day Spirit to give away uh, prizes each week. All you have to do is go to our website or our Facebook page to register. We had a good number of registrations uh, this week, and we pulled the winner. And uh, the winner of the first uh, prize is Robert Cosby, C-O-S-B-Y. And he's an Illini fan, obviously. That's a $50 gift card that goes to Robert. And on the line with us from Game Day Spirit is uh, McLean Stahl. Good morning, McLean. How are you? Morning, Steve. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're just chugging along on uh, Saturday Sports Talk. But uh, good to be working with you guys. Tell us what's uh, new at Game Day Spirit. You had the orange out the other night. That looked pretty good over the uh, State Farm Center. 
Yeah, yeah. The Orange Owl was such an awesome experience. We we love doing that on a yearly basis. We really feel that it contributes to just the atmosphere and, and State Farm Center and kind of gives the guys a little bit extra extra juice on the court. Um, so that was so much fun, you know, unfortunately. Uh, didn't end the way that all of us Illinois fans wanted, but um, regardless, it was a really good experience. But, you know, here at game day, we're, you know, really ramping up for March Madness. You know, I feel like this team's going to make a big splash, and so we're just trying to get all of our things in order and make sure that we can uh, take care of everybody when that time comes. Well, tell the folks about your locations and your online shopping opportunities as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we got two physical locations in Champaign. Um, one's at the corner of Neal and Kirby in Champaign, so right over by the Memorial Stadium, the State Farm Center. And then we also have one right in the heart of campus at the corner of 6th and Green. Um, if you're um, not local and you want to shop with us, um, we also have our website, gamedayspirit.com, and we're open 24-7. And also on that website, you'll see that uh, if there are some fans from around here that might be Indiana fans or some other school fans, you're involved with some of those too as well, aren't you? Mm, yeah, yeah. So we have um, five other college campuses that we're a part of. Um, Indiana is the big one. Um, and then we also have uh, Ball State University. Ohio University, Kent State, and then uh, West Virginia. So um, if, you, if you have some fans listening that uh, like those schools, feel free to hit up GameDaySpirit.com as well. Hey, McLean, thanks for your time. We appreciate it, and we'll see you soon at Game Day Spirit. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. That's McLean Stahl from Game Day Spirit at 955. Got a couple callers waiting. Let's uh, check in with Mark in Jacksonville, Florida. Go ahead, Mark. You're on the air. Hey, good morning. And I'm not just saying this because he was just on with you, Frank, but I absolutely loved Frank as a player. And I remember telling Lauren when he was sitting out that he was going to be the next Big Ten MVP. I think Mateen Cleese was the MVP that year that I said that, and that he would be Defensive Player of the Year, too. And he's on my Mount Rushmore, along with uh, Nick. Let's see, wait, Nick, Darren, and not, no slight to Io, of course. So, Frank, Darren, Nick Anderson, Kenny Battle. That's, okay. a, that's a tough one. I think uh, you'll have some people agree with you on that, and some people have some other. That's what makes that those kind of things kind of fun. Well, you know, when we were talking about – you guys were talking about Io, and, you know, he was, he was clutch. He obviously was. But you think back to Frank, he was not only clutch. He had flair like uh, Carbello. He was a great assist man. He not only had that clutch team, he was a great defender like Bruce Douglas. I mean, he he had it all. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's a big, strong guy. Anything else, Mark? No, that's it. Thanks, guys. Yep, appreciate you listening down in Florida. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Good morning, Steve. Hey, good morning, guys. I don't have rewind on my TV set. When Trent Frazier went in there at the end, did he have a clear shot for the layup and we could have tied it? but he was going to kick out for the three-point win. I thought he had a wide-open lane, and I kind of gasped because he didn't take the layup and tie the game. But maybe somebody was coming across and going to block it. Well, somebody was coming across. It was Liddell, I think, that bumped him. And uh, I don't know what his thought process was, but I think, as we mentioned earlier, had he laid the ball up in a, in a shot form to the rim, I think that maybe that foul would have been called. I, it's hard to say. But uh, maybe they were thinking – with Kofi out <laughs> uh, and Hawkins out, that maybe overtime wasn't going to be uh, yeah, that he, big a deal. He but just kind of lost the ball at yeah. about the same time. It was it was a hard call. But um, 
But anyway, I, I couldn't rewind to see it, so I thought I'd get your guys' opinion. But I thought he had a wide-open spot for the layup. So we'll move on, and maybe we'll see him in the tournament. You never know. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Yeah. Let's go to Rich calling from Seymour this morning. What do you say, Rich? Hey, good morning, Lauren and, and uh, Steve. Just a quick thing. One of the things that troubles me about the team is uh, it's just my uh, uh, <laughs> maybe failing old memory, but it seems like that we go to sleep for a quarter or a half of a lot of these games, and I think that's what happened to us with Ohio State. And I don't think we're going to – you know, I know I want the deep run. I attended University of Kentucky, so I understand what basketball is all about. I'm a big fan of theirs and of the U of I team. But I don't think they're going to have them make a deep run if they're going to be sleepy at any part of the game. There's some players, uh, teams out there that we're going to have to be on our game the whole game if we expect to go anywhere. I'm concerned about it. Well, everybody makes long runs, and nobody makes longer good or bad runs than Kentucky (laughs) this year. Have you watched that? I mean, it's amazing what they've done. I have. It is a a bit of a surprise to me as a longtime fan and uh, alumni. Uh, But I – I'm, I just have that concern about our team. There's something niggling away at me about there's something, you know, we got to be really sharp, but I'm not seeing that. I mean, the guys play great sometimes, and sometimes it's just not there, and I don't know what that slowdown's all about or sleepiness or missing all kinds of stuff. And, I, you, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I just think – or maybe I'm just Kentucky-fied, and I, I expect them to be hot all the time, but – well, how many fan bases do you think Rich are saying the same thing you're saying about about their teams? You know, well, well yeah, probably, well, probably a lot. Yeah. I would guess that's true, but it just seems like I watch a lot of basketball. NCAA is all that's the only basketball is the only sport we watch anymore, and and I watch a lot of games. I'm a big Notre Dame fan, and you know, they're, they're West Virginia. You know, I like a lot of these teams. It just I've just got this feeling about our team that uh, I don't know. I just wanted to bounce that off you guys and see if you have any concerns about that because they're going to have to be uh, they're going to be all out when they play some of these big guns that are going to be in the NCAA. Yep. Hey, Rich. Thanks. Appreciate the call. All right. Have a good day. I think all teams are going to have to be all out when the tournament starts. When you're one and done, squeeze in one more call before the top of the hour. David in Springfield. Good morning, David. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I had an observation that seems kind of troubling to me. And that is, uh, one year ago, Io gets uh, smacked pretty good up at Michigan State and gets a gets a, a concussion and he's out for a while. And uh, but then again, this year we lost uh, 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 Benjamin Verdunk, and he yeah. got a big elbow on the face and he he's now he's out with a concussion. But they didn't call anything in the Michigan State game. But yet, well, it was an accident. Night, they 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 uh, they analyzed it. They looked at it on the film and it was. Considered to be an accident, so that's well, why. Well, okay, I, I don't. Okay, but then the other night, in our game against uh, uh, Ohio State, uh, one of their players gets knocked in the face, and they call it intentional or a flagrant foul. And I think that kind of I thought that that still just don't seem quite right. Another thing I noticed was in the Ohio State game, I noticed that Young and also that freshman uh, get supposedly fouled underneath or offensive foul, whatever, and they fall to the floor and they act like they're really injured. Then they get right up and they play and they're, and they're really, uh, you know, they, they just play you on. You think they're faking it? <laughs> uh, it sure seems that way. And I didn't see any flop 
calls against them as it did against us. So <laughs> Kofi never so. flops, does he? <laughs> he just takes the blow. He absorbs the blows. Yeah, it just didn't, it just didn't seem like uh, uh, the game. I'm not saying that referees were, you know, bad or anything. It just seemed like this. We get to like we got a mark on us or something that uh, they do, they don't call them against other teams. They call them against us quite often. I just I just don't understand that. So, You're a little too sensitive, David. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, that nobody the, the officials are somebody's mad at them all the time, and no, no matter who it is oh, or what I game am, it is. Man, I've been around basketball a long time. I understand all that. Yeah. It, isn't <laughs> it interesting when you don't care who wins a game? You're watching it, and you think, "Well, this is pretty well officiated." <laughs> yeah, David, thank you for the call. We appreciate that. Have a great day, guys. Thank Thanks you. A lot. You bet. It's ten oh two. We take a break, then we'll have hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Warren Hood is in the house. We'll visit with him. Keep the phone lines open if you like as well. On WDWS and 93.9, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Back after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line. 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Pretty active uh, first hour on the show. Talk to some Illinois-Michigan basketball with Brandon Brown from the Wolverine Digest in Ann Arbor. Then a couple former Illini basketball players joined us, Mike Davis and Frank Williams. Now Warren Hood is in the studio with yours truly and Lauren Tate. Talk about uh, things, uh, not the least of which is your announcement this week that uh, 36 years on board at the U of I and you're going to hang it up in April. So how are you feeling about that, Warren? Yeah, I think I said it in the press release. It's bittersweet. Yeah. Um, certainly 36 years is a long time and the amount of energy and thought and everything that goes into being in athletics um, takes a lot of takes a lot of time and effort. So um, it's like a second family. I think I mentioned that as well. I mean, these are people. I don't have a hobby. You just asked me if I had a hobby. I don't. <laughs> it's either work or it's with my family. And so at work, you spend so much time there. They become your family. So that'll be the toughest part for sure. It's just not being able to see those people every day. What, uh, oh, oh. What do you intend to do now? You're just going to take it easy for a while? Are you going to consider going back? I mean, you're too young to, to fully retire. Well, thank you, Lauren. I appreciate that. You are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for sure. I, I don't know. I just I, I felt it for about a year, um, certainly during COVID. I think it affected a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I worked as many hours as, if not more hours, than I normally do during the COVID. But I was at home, and it gave me a time to maybe th- step back and think a little bit. And I started thinking about my energy and thinking about what I wanted to do. Um, and I just kind of came to the sense that, you know, this was maybe a good time to take a break. So, um, you know, my kids have, up until this point, uh, my son and daughter have been in town. Uh, and so I never felt guilty about uh, taking time away from work because I spent so much time, but I could see them. They lived in right. town. My daughter's been away at school for four years, and I can probably put on on one hand how many times I visited her, and, and thank goodness, you know, she has the winter breaks and the spring breaks, and and COVID. Is she back here now? No, she's going to stay in Nashville. So, okay, you know, I started thinking about it. Like, she's going to have a job, and the only time I'm going to see her is if I go down there. It's not a bad trip to Nashville. It's no, not it a bad trip, but it's six hours enough that it, it takes a couple of days away from work. And you know, Josh sure. has been great this last year. He says, you know, get down there, and guess what? I didn't get down there, and so 
that stuff, you know, starts to starts to make you think. Well, going back, who hired you at the University of Illinois? So that's a crazy story, and um, I I started working as an undergrad. So I actually started working uh, for, for? Tom Tom, Por- Tom Porter. Okay. Um, and then as I finished my undergrad, um, I went over and I talked to Neil Stoner, um, and he offered me a graduate assistantship in his office. Uh, the unfortunate thing is, um, I graduated. And I was going to that at the beginning of that fall. I was going to start uh, working for him. And I went on vacation uh, with my parents for a couple of weeks. And when I came back, I found out that he had been fired. Really? <laughs> so I came back, and I didn't have a graduate assistantship. I didn't really have a job, and I didn't know what the heck I was going to do. Um, but Carol Cars, the late Carol Cars, and Ron Gunther really stepped in and kind of put their arms around me and said, you know, we certainly understand the situation you're in. Um, we're going to make this work. And so I started working for both of them. And now you've uh, you've worked for Josh Whitman, and the two of you, I, you guys are like brothers, aren't you? Well, is that a fair statement? You probably some people at work would f- for sure say that. Um, you know, he's the smarter, bigger, stronger, <laughs> faster, <laughs> you younger, know, better, younger brother. Um, but I certainly um, we have that relationship. I think a lot of people have said that, and I, I would agree with that. And he, um, you know, he worked for me when he was in grad school in law school. Yeah, I want to bring that up because you mentioned grad assistants, and you saw him I did. come through there on that. I did, and he, you know, that's when I was doing the stadium project, and he was, you could see right away, he was, even people that knew him before then, you know, he was a 40-year-old in a 20, 20-year-old's uh, body. Um, but he, you know, we just developed a really great relationship then, and it was neat. After he left, um, we would talk regularly for, you know, the 10 years until I got back, and and so um, it was really easy transition for me and, and one that I cherish. Well, which was the most difficult, the State Farm Center or the stadium? Stadium for sure. Absolutely. How many years sure. did you, were you involved in that whole operation? You know, <laughs> probably started in 2005 uh, was when we started all the planning. And then it was completed in 2008. But then as these huge construction projects, if you, as you know, it's, it's a year, year and a half after the project is completed by the time you close it out. And so we had a lot of issues. And it was at that time, it was the, you know, was the biggest, most expensive uh, project on campus. And there was a lot of people on campus that didn't think we should be doing it. Um, a lot of people worried about our debt and, and how we we're going to pay for it. And so it was this long process of really just convincing people and showing people how we could do it. Uh, and then once that was done, it really set the table nicely for State Farm Center because it was the same people on campus and the same people that we worked with before, and it was kind of like we'd invented the wheel already and, and we could move forward. And, and you were already in negotiations with them for years, I know, about the naming rights. You know, we had talked to them for a long time, and that was another interesting story. So one of my best friends at um, State Farm, Mike Davidson, he was a senior executive uh, vice president. He and I had a long, long relationship, and he retired about a year before we did uh, the naming rights deal, but um, bless his heart, um, he actually helped me after he retired, kind of work through some of the strategy that needed to take what place. What was their amount? Was it uh, sixty million? Was thirty million for two two million a year? Was it? Yes, yeah, six. It's sixty million. How many years are we into 30, that 30 now? Thirty years. So we're actually in. It was two thousand thirteen, May of two thousand thirteen, when we made the announcement. Um, so we're actually nine years in. So it goes to okay, th- twenty three, thirty three, forty three. Yeah, <laughs> hard to believe it's been nine years already. <laughs> Talking to Warren Hood, when you have a project, the scope of the stadium or the State Farm Center, uh, and you get it done, how soon do you look back at it and say, you know what, I should have done, should have added this, or 
You, you kind of you kind of do that during. <laughs> oh, I bet you do. Yeah, you, you really do because you have to plan so far in, in advance, and then you do all the drawings, and then you bid out the drawings, and then they start construction. At that point, you really can't make too many changes, and so as you go along, you see something that you might not have seen before. Um, luckily, we've got we've had fantastic architects, and there's not much um, when you look back on. There's some things that I noticed right away that needed to be changed and, and won't be changed. But um, for the most part, really nice job by the architects. You could say, well, the next time we do that. <laughs> yeah, next time. It will be, there will be a time for sure. And they'll probably come knocking on your door for some consultation there. Well, we'll see. <laughs> well, let's talk briefly, if you don't mind, about the cost of this. Now, what was the, what was the uh, amount you had to borrow for the stadium? So the stadium cost, uh, boy, I'm trying to remember what it ended up. I think it was, ended up about 123, 124. Okay. And, and State we, Farm's about 170. Did you have to borrow all that, or was there some of it through donations? No, we had some donations for that. Um, a lot of it was paid through the Big Ten Network. So if you remember, the Big Ten Network um, came on board in 2007. Yeah. And so, you know, if you look it at it. It gets our, bigger every year. It does. And you look at our finances. I mean, before, you know, when I started, ticket revenue was the most important thing uh, we had, as well as uh, fundraising dollars. And TV revenue was a was a piece, but now you know TV revenue is almost half of our budget. Yeah, I, I see where it's going to. I mean, your your ultimate replacement, Mr. Denny, I believe his name is Roger. Yeah, Roger Denny. Uh, he's a he's a financial guy, maybe more than you are. I mean, isn't that his background? Yeah, he's a he's a lawyer and and has a finance background. And he's talking about this. I mean, he, there's there's a possibility it's going to be over seventy million a year in a couple of years. You hear? Do you hear that? I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of rumors out there and, and certain things we can say and can't say. But um, certainly, uh, if you look at, if you've been reading certainly newspaper uh, in the last week or so, uh, some of those numbers are starting to come out. And we certainly know what the SEC did. And so I think um, the way that Jim Delaney built th the, our contracts with three different groups, mm -hmm. um, I think that set us up really, really well to continue to have robust um, contracts. Visiting with Warren Hood. You're a local guy, Urbana guy. I am. And you went to school. You got two degrees here. I did. Was athletic administration something that you had focused on during that time, during your undergraduate days and graduate days? What were your your career plans, your career goals? I don't think I was, I think it was always in my mind, but it really didn't develop until my senior year. Um, you know, I, I, I've busted Lawrence chops on this many times when I've been on the radio before, but you know, the memory that certainly people that know me that grew up with me is they, when they came and visit, I'm thinking of my aunt and uncle from Iowa city. So I just, I bring, I saw them the other day, they're in their nineties and, and they said, our memory of you, Warren is laying on the floor and reading the sports section when you were like five years old. <laughs> reading Tate lines. And I was reading Tate lines. I was, and he's such a, he's just a fantastic writer and. And I, you know, going to the games with my dad, certainly growing up, I mean, it's just, it's in your blood. It's, it's, it's what you know and, and what you enjoy. And, and by the way, your father worked for the, uh, was uh, with the university and he was? Both my parents worked for the university. So um, my mom started after um, my daughter, <laughs> my daughter, my sister had gone away to college and I was in high school. So she started late, but my parents both worked for the university. My dad was in the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences as a dean. And then he worked as a vice president's office. Did you have any trouble along the way separating the fan, Warren Hood, from the administrator, Warren Hood, or can they coexist pretty well? I think it definitely coexists. I, early on, for sure, I was, you know, more of a fan. I think you are when you're younger. And, and then when you get into the business, it's, it's really business. And, you know, people get excited when they're around coaches, and, you know, it just kind of gets normal. Everything's just normal. And 
uh, you cheer and, and you're excited, but you, you know, as 36 years of this, as you know, you have a lot of ups and downs. And so I would say the one constant that I think I've been able to do is just be in moderation. I mean, everything, I'm, I, my equilibrium is pretty level and, and I don't try to get too high and too low because I know, I know the business and I know, um, well, do you, do you, did you get uh, kind of removed from administration when you were in charge of the stadium and in charge of the, uh, State Farm Center. I mean, did, I, I did. did I they just consume your whole. It did. Day? It did. So I, I, um, you know, that was strategic. I went to Ron and I said, you know, in order for me to do this at a level that needs to be done, um, I'm going to need to give up some things. And so at that time, I was overseeing our external relations group, and I just said, it's going to be all consuming. And so yes, I did for for three years. I was r- totally fully involved with the stadium project and really didn't have any other responsibility. How long did you spend uh, with the uh, State Farm Center in, in that reconstruction? Um, you know, that was a little different. Um, I, I spent three or four years there. But the nice thing on that is we had uh, several people uh, in our organization, uh, one of them, Tom Diven, with the State Farm Center that was really taking on a lot of the day-to-day. He actually lived. He was like the only person that had an office in the State Farm Center during the construction. Talking to Warren Hood, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to call in. We'll keep him a few more minutes. Need to take a break right now. At 1017, we're back with Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the show at 1019. Phone line is open. Let's go to uh, Rich and Rantoul has comment about uh, something this morning. Go ahead, Rich. Well, let me real quick for Warren. I think Warren Hood's done a tremendous job down there. I mean, I bleed orange. Our family bleeds orange and blue. My wife and I are U of I people, and two of my three daughters. And he's done a tremendous job as we've watched things grow there. Just imagine the logistics he had to put up with trying to balance all that stuff. Yeah, now he's trying to put it up, put up with sitting in the same room as Lauren and Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. What else you got, Rich? Oh. Can Underwood coach the next game, or is that a suspension more than just is there any suspension about him being ejected? No suspension we know of. I That's wouldn't. I wouldn't bad. think so. Guys get too technicals a lot. I mean, a lot. It happens. Yeah. Well, the officials were awful. Well, we can all agree on that. <laughs> okay, and I'm. Rather than giving Underwood credit for being thrown out of the game, pumping him up, I think it was just the opposite. They relaxed when he was gone, and those guys played hard. Okay. All right, Rich. They Thank played you. really Thank hard, don't you think? Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. Appreciate the call. Thank you very and much. Maybe if nothing comes out of this anymore, then Hawkins may have found his way. He played really well, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he did. We'll see how that carries out. to put line scores in the paper, so I don't know. What do you wind up with? You know, points and everything. He had 10. 10 points, I think, four rebounds. Points, but he, had, he was on the floor. He was fighting. I mean, finally showed some expression. You could see a couple times he got mad. Yeah. I was glad to see that. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Rich. So I we... think they relaxed. When Andrew was gone, the team relaxed a little bit, and they started playing hard and shooting loose. We should never lose. <laughs> That's the rule. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate the call. You know, Brad said after the game, he said he didn't really. He earned the first technical, but he said he didn't really earn the ejection, so he had to he had to earn it after he was actually ejected. He <laughs> right. earned it then, I think. He yeah. confirmed it anyway. <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah, he worked hard to get that first one and, and got that. But uh, Warren Hood is with us for a few more minutes. Uh, the Oven Project is, I drove by there the other day, and between that and the baseball and softball things right there in the same neighborhood, there's a lot going on. There always is um, yeah. progress, right? So um, we were just talking about that. Oven, certainly, it's you know only a 20-year-old facility, 23 years old. But um, as we travel around the conference, uh, we always try to look at other schools' facilities, and it became quite apparent that um, Oven was not up to the level that it needed to be in order to compete and recruit the, the finest uh, student-athletes to our school. So uh, that's been quite a project. It's going to be opening up in October of uh, this, this year, and it'll add it'll be double the size of the building. So uh, a lot of nice features and things going in there, and I think people are going to be really excited about it. Yeah, I'm always uh, too involved in the financial end of it mentally, but it, <laughs> when uh, when uh, Josh told me that within six years the, ento- the entire thing will be paid for, that's right. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> that's you, we've and done. you got a lot of donations. you got more coming. And of course, you don't have everything. That, everything that's promised is not there yet, I guess. That's but, right. But uh, yeah, people pay over a, a little bit of a life cycle. They pay over a five or six year period. Um, Josh and Howard Milton, who's our chief development officer, have just done a fabulous job. We're over thirty million dollars raised. I think we're at thirty two million right now, and I I think they just had a maybe a successful trip here in the last couple of weeks. Um, so we look forward to that total. And what's the what's the total cost of that building? A little over forty million. Oh, it's over forty. Okay, yeah, just right around forty. Okay. And the Smith Center that turned out to be quite quite a. Quite a project and quite a result it turned out fantastic and and it's hard to believe quite honestly that we could recruit to the old facility and mm-hmm. i don't think we was as a i think we knew it but once we got into the smith center uh and you walk through the old facility it's 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 became quite apparent that uh, we were way way behind and certainly um covid didn't help but the fact that we can now get those student athletes into the building and see it um, and get involved with our current coaching staff is, is really helpful to us some people might be disturbed that it's always the Jones, chasing the Joneses. You know, everybody's chasing everybody else financially and, and with construction and with facilities. What are your thoughts when you hear that? You know, I, I, I guess why are we any different than any other industry? Uh, in healthcare in town, I think Carl's built a lot of facilities. They're always trying yeah. to improve and get better. Good point. Uh, if, if you look at the university, you go to our engineering campus, you look at our other colleges on campus, they're always trying to improve their facilities and have a better chance of recruiting top talent. So I don't, I don't see us being any different um, in actually the entire, <laughs> entire country. I mean, that's just how we're built, always trying to get better, always trying to improve and, and have better facilities. So you don't play golf. We <laughs> <laughs> have to find you a hobby. Well, what's the first thing? You're going to go someplace warm, maybe? Uh, of course, it might be warm here by the time April comes. But. Yeah, I, I, that's, if anybody has any uh, advice on a hobby, I would, I would really appreciate it. So, like <laughs> I said, I've done work and family, and that's about it. Um, so that will be kind of part of the, you know, as I say, as I decompress, trying to figure out what that, what that thing is that gets me excited and energized. I like doing big things. And so, um, you know, hopefully there's one or two of those left in me somewhere doing something, but um, I'm going to take some time. I, re- I really need some time to get a mental break and, and relax, but I like warm, and so <laughs> warm sounds good right now. Have you, uh, in the past, have you vacationed in any particular place uh, regularly? You know, I um, there's a place in Florida that we go um, every year that I really, really like, um, but I, I've enjoyed traveling. So when, growing up, my parents traveled all over the world, mm-hmm. and I had the opportunity to travel to some of those locations with them, and that's something that I... I I know that I will do at some point in my future. 
Well, we appreciate your time. We've enjoyed uh, working with you, but more importantly, your friendship over the years. And that certainly won't change. But stay in touch. And, uh, Absolutely. We'll talk to you along the way. I'm not going anywhere. So good thanks for all your help. Appreciate it. Who, th- who would have thought that a young guy laid on the floor reading Tate Lines <laughs> all these years later is still talking to Mr. Tate Line on the air? And we're, we're glad to have you. You guys do a great job. Thank you for your friendship. That's Warren Hood at 1026. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Moving towards the 11 o'clock hour. Busy morning on this Saturday morning. We talked about the Illinois-Michigan game with Brandon Brown from the Wolverine Digest in Ann Arbor. Had a couple former Illini basketball players on with us. Mike Davis and Frank Williams. And we just... Completed a conversation with Warren Hood, Deputy Athletic Director, who announced this week that he is retiring after 36 years at the U of I. Now we welcome in our friend from St. Louis, KMOX, Tom Ackerman, joins us. Good morning, Thomas. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. You got anything good to say about the <laughs> baseball talks? So anything we can get some hope out of? Well, let's see. Uh, fifth consecutive day that they met. Uh, that's good. Uh, the fact that they are close to agreeing on the draft, that's good. Uh, the fact that the commissioner met one-on-one with the union head, Tony Clark, that's good. Uh, so little changes, little incremental progress, that's good. Uh, the problem is the deadline is Monday, so we're 48 hours away. And we've lost more exhibition games. They've canceled spring training games through March 7th. That's to be expected. I mean, if they're going to start spring training, let's say, in the beginning of March. So if they had a deal by Monday, February 28th, and they started spring training, let's say, by the end of the week, that would be the shortest amount of time they would have to hustle and get ready. You're talking you, you can't play games right away. you got to get some workouts in and all that stuff. So that's to be expected. I think games maybe would start after March 7th anyway. But it's still not fun to hear. And as I just mentioned on Twitter, today would have been the first spring training game on our station, KMOX. The Cardinals would have started, like other major league teams, would have started playing games. We would have carried the game. And, you know, it's a big day for St. Louis. It's Mardi Gras, by the way, in St. Louis also. But it's a big day because you turn on the radio, and for the first time since October, you hear baseball. And people have waited all winter to get to that point, and it's like our New Year's Day, and we don't have it. And Mm -hmm. it's a reminder that this game is about the fans. It's not about either side. It's about the fans. And that's what's disappointing is the fans are sitting here powerless, and I have to sit there and wait for two sides to come to an agreement, and that's really where we are. Are, are those guys meeting over the weekend, today and tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, they're going to meet uh, every day for as far as I understand. I mean, the, the plan is to continue to meet uh, until we get to, to Monday. So, uh, you know, this is the second longest work stoppage in baseball history at this point. You know, I, it's, it's just a matter of getting a, a deal done. The fact that they had the commissioner in the house, and he has a home in Jupiter, Florida, by the way, so it's not like he had to go very far. But, you know, they have Max Scherzer there. He lives in the Jupiter area. Paul Goldschmidt lives in the Jupiter area and others. But the fact that they're meeting for longer periods of time, that's good. The fact that they're getting around each other is good. But you're not hearing 
about the core economic issues, and in particular, the competitive balance tax being discussed. And that's what has to get done uh, by Monday. So they do have urgency. I mean, the, the MLBPA has decided to meet every day this weekend. Uh, There are planned negotiations and meetings uh, between the two sides through Monday, and that's great. But they've got very little time to hammer out money. And, you know, somebody has to blink eventually. I mean, I I understand that both sides are digging in here, and in particular the players who were not pleased with the CBA five years ago. So they're sitting here probably trying to get a a little payback for what happened to them five years ago, but you know, they got a CBA signed. So now here they are five years later and they're dug in. Well, the owners are going to do what they want to do also. So, and they locked out the players. It's, it's a tough situation to be in for a fan because you don't have anything that you can do to change it. And we're all sitting here waiting for a deal to be done. And it is frustrating, especially the fact that there are other things to do. So if you're a baseball fan and you want people to pay attention to your game, you're hoping that uh, fans don't drop off or that casual sports fans who might have wandered into baseball here are going somewhere else. Well, are the players um, – we're going to miss some spring training regardless. Uh, yeah. Are the play, Do you think that most players are, are staying in shape or getting in shape to play Major League Baseball at this point on their own? Definitely. Yeah, definitely they're in shape, but there's nothing that can replicate the right. game momentum and the, the changes that you have to make. You can get into a routine, but there's nothing that can replicate, you know, you're standing there playing a position and the ball goes one way and you have to adjust and change. It's just, you know, or or hitters and timing and facing actual pitching. I mean, if they're facing machines or batting practice pitchers, that's one thing, but it's a whole other ball game when you're facing uh, you know, Giovanni Gallegos throwing a slider at you. So it's it's important for these sides uh, to come to an agreement for the players to have the time to get ready for March 31st. And if the regular season starts to get canceled, parts of it, it's not good for the game. It's not going to destroy the game. I mean, you know, there was potential for disaster in 1994 when they canceled the World Series. That's really bad. I mean, that is the crown jewel of baseball and one of the celebrated championships in all of sports. That's really what baseball is all about. So when they canceled the World Series in 94, that was devastating. This would be like, you know, 140-game season instead of 162. Not good, but not devastating. Still, you know, you do have to have that time. You can't just go play March 31st without lots of time to prepare, especially pitchers. And we have evidence of that just two years ago because in 2020 we had a two-month season. We had a very quick, abbreviated summer camp to get ready for the regular season, and we had a lot of injuries. Mm. I mean, let's face it, there were a lot of injuries in 2020. You saw it happen all up and down baseball. I don't think they want to do that again. How many days do you think uh, of preparation do they need, absolutely have to have? I think they need three to four weeks. Three to four, okay. Yeah, I think three to four weeks to to get a a solid spring training camp in, especially for pitchers to stretch out and get themselves ready. I I think physically that's really important. And then, again, for the hitters, for timing, to really put a good product on the field, I think you need that time. You also, you know, this is not good for the Cardinals, if you want to talk about them specifically, 
because the Cardinals have a rotation that is good. Let's make no mistake about it. I mean, Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, Dakota Hudson, Miles Michaelis, Stephen Matz, who joins them via free agency. It's a good rotation. And they have some decent depth that they want to take a look at. But I, how many innings do you have to take a look at it? I mean, you, you only if you only have so many games in spring training, you only have so many innings. That's only so many opportunities for others like Jake Woodford or some of your relievers you might want to convert into a possible starter to see what they have. So that's that's not good for a Cardinals team that Jack Flaherty is the ace of the staff. I, I get that, but he didn't pitch a whole lot last year. Yep. Uh, Miles Michaelis didn't pitch at, hardly at all last year. Dakota Hudson didn't pitch last year until the very end. Uh, Adam Wainwright, love him, of course, but he's going to be 41 at the end of the year. How, realistically, how much can you expect out of him? And then Steven Matz is, based on stats, along with Wainwright, would be one of the horses of this rotation, but he's dealt with injuries in his career. So I, I think that it's not a good thing for the Cardinals to have an abbreviated spring training, but it is what it is. And, you know, you, you kind of figure it out. Talking baseball with Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. Had a notion we might hear from our next caller, Marty, in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Go ahead, Marty. You're on the air. Greetings, Steve. Greetings, Lauren and Tom. And Tom, sorry that Illinois thumped Indiana, but it had to be done. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was. Uh, can I just say something real quick? I really love sure. this Illinois team, um, except when they play Indiana. I love this Illinois team. I love them. I, I I'm going to be pulling for them, and that was not uh, unexpected for me. I, I you know Indiana's got a, a good team. I think we all know that. We've seen them beat Purdue at home. We've seen them beat Ohio State at home, but inconsistent. And I've been saying it all year. This Illinois team has Final Four caliber talent. And when they are on, and when they go inside yeah. to Coburn and they have their shooters going, they are very tough to stop. I mean, yeah, they, they you, lack, know, you get them on, especially on a neutral floor, I'm excited to yeah. see what Illinois could do here. Yeah, but they're a little two-dimensional. It's either a three-pointer or inside to Coburn. They, they lack that mid-range game that I kind of wish they had, and, and it showed the other night when Ohio State had a mid-range game. But anyway, on to baseball. Yep. Um, DH is coming in. They'll get some kind of agreement figured out this, I, I think, by Monday. Uh, what happens? Are they going to rotate some people between, you know, first and third, give guys days off to DH? Is uh, a certain left-handed bat from Memphis that's a power bat potentially a DH? Although you don't want to do that with a young guy. And is DeYoung going to come back at shortstop, or is something else going to happen? Those are kind of things I – you've already touched the pitching, so – yeah, Marty, those are really good questions, and I and I will say I agree with you. I I am an optimist, and I will still hold out hope. I have a flight booked for Jupiter March seventh, so uh, I'm going to hold out hope that uh, that they have a deal done by Monday. Based on what I said earlier, that I do think there is urgency because they know losing regular season games is tough, but an abbreviated spring training really is bad. Uh, it's not good for the fans. It it, it hurts again the ability for these players to be in top shape and put a great product on the field. Okay, so DH, I'll address that first. I think the Cardinals have, in their mind, internal candidates to be DH. I think they will bounce that around to different people until they find the right fit. I don't think that it has to be a prototypical slugger who can't field. I think that it could be 
you know, occasionally a fourth outfielder like Lars Newtbar. It could occasionally be one of their middle infielders. And, yes, it could very well be one of their minor league prospects at some point. I don't see this team. I could be wrong, and I'd love to see a Kyle Schwarber type, but I don't see them throwing a lot of money at a DH if they feel like they have internal options, especially what they project Nolan Gorman to be, which is a very good hitter. He's not just a power hitter. He's a good left-handed hitter who is learning second base, but he'd be an ideal DH candidate at some point. I don't see, especially with a short spring training, this guy coming flying out of camp and playing in the major leagues in April. I I think that maybe he's more suited for a a June arrival. Juan Yepes, a right-handed hitter, could be a very good candidate for this. He really uh, hit the ball well down in spring training, but again, untested at this level. Um, I'd prefer for somebody with some experience to join this roster that they could mix in there in the DH mix that has some experience that would be a good fit for them. Um, But otherwise, I I don't think it has to be a lefty. I'd love to see a lefty, but I I think that they will mix it up a little bit and change it up. And that brings the DeYoung question in because it doesn't appear that they are going to replace anybody at shortstop. They're going to go with what they have and potentially – you know, if DeYoung, who was injured, and he's, he's definitely dealt with some injuries uh, all over the place, and he had COVID uh, in 20, which really rocked him and, and, and changed his whole year. 21, he, he dealt a great with a lot of injuries. That year too. He, if, if he is able to recapture some of what he was, he could be a good fit in this lineup, but Edmundo Sosa will push him for playing time again. And then there's the question of Gorman. If Gorman does come up and is effective at second base, you could move Tommy Edmond potentially to, to shortstop at times if you need to. And so now you're playing with four middle infielders in Gorman, Edmond, Sosa, and DeYoung and kind of mixing and matching. It's not a bad situation for Ollie Marmel to be in. But they do have – and they've kind of bought into this, and they're, they're pushing it into the middle of the table. Paul DeYoung is their guy, and they think that he could be very good for them. Okay. Hey, Marty, we appreciate the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. A couple more minutes with uh, Tom Ackerman, KMOX in St. Louis. Let's switch to uh, college basketball real quick. You're a big college basketball guy. What's going on down in Columbia? Missouri not having a great year. Is Conzo Martin uh, feeling some heat, do you think? Yeah, I do. I think he's feeling some heat. I I think that the bragging rights game is always, especially for the audience here in St. Louis, a barometer as to how good this Missouri team is. They play in the non-conference, but there's none bigger to them than the Illinois game. And when they, when they play well, it kind of is a bit of a relief. They didn't play well in that game. Illinois dominated them and it was a sign that this team could be in a little trouble. Now they did play some good basketball games. I mean, they won some pretty nice sec games early on, uh, they even took number one Auburn down to the final moment. Conza Martin gambled, uh, decided not to call a timeout, tried to get a rebound late, and Auburn grabbed an offensive rebound and closed the game out. That was unfortunate. There have been some other times where this team looked like it was going to turn the corner and didn't. I just don't think they have enough talent. I don't think they have great shooters. I think they get beaten by teams that can drive to the basket much better than they can. And I do think some heat is on Conzo in in this case. He does have more time on his contract. Now, the athletic director, Desiree Reed-Francois, is um, 
is a uh, former Tennessee administrator, and she was in, in the athletics department there. She actually was part of the hire of Martin in Tennessee. I don't think that will have much effect on her decision here. I think probably what happens is they have a heart-to-heart, a one-on-one discussion after this season is over as to the direction of the basketball program, and then she makes a decision from there. But I also think that Missouri itself needs to tell, needs to talk amongst themselves as to what they think the direction of the basketball program is. I don't know that, uh, you know, the number one issue isn't that they don't get enough support in their own town. I mean, their, their attendance is low. Uh, how much do they, how many resources are they going to put into it? Um, is the name image likeness movement in basketball reaching them the right way? Are they putting enough behind that to attract recruits? And, you know, Mizzou basketball was once great. I would go so far as to say it was once one of the powers in, in the country. It, it was in the Big 8 and at times in the Big 12. This was a team that could win 25, 28, 30 games. They are not there. They are, they are just not there. Uh, the support is not there. So I think it's an overarching thing. And then the other thing is if you were to relieve Konza Martin of his duties, who do you get? I mean, who who are you going out that is going to appease – the fan base, the school, like how, I guess what I'm saying is how serious are you about Mizzou basketball if you're Mizzou? I think that's the bigger question. Conzo Martin has proven himself at many levels to be a good coach. Uh, he took this team to the NCAA tournament a few times, but that is all sort of getting washed away now because he's having another, uh, well, not another, this in particular is his worst year. Uh, and it's it's kind of, taking over the whole story and it's unfortunate for him a good guy great guy as a matter of fact but just in a very tough situation and i don't know what the outcome will be when did this new athletic director take the job when did she uh, actually move uh, into this position uh very early in this football season so it okay was, uh, yeah i want to say towards the end of summer i'm trying to remember the exact okay uh, so date. she's so been there Stark, six months or more yeah, Jim Stirk stepped down, um, mm-hmm. and and she took over, and uh, he came over from UNLV. So it, it's uh, you know it's been a year of sort of evaluating, watching the football program, which football has been mediocre uh, by record, but their recruiting has been super hot. Uh, so we'll see if they can kind of you know get their depth to where it needs to be to compete in the SEC. Uh, so I, I know that the school cares about football and that there's a huge backing for Eli Drinkwitz and being successful in the SEC. I, I question right now um, where basketball is, and I, I'd love to see that answer. Because as I said, there was a time where Mizzou basketball was a thing, and it is far from a thing. I mean, if you have to drag students to a basketball game, that's not a good situation either. One more baseball question. Alex Reyes, where does he fit in, in in your view, in the uh, pitching situation? Yeah, perfect scenario for what I was just talking about, about spring training being abbreviated. This would have been a great opportunity to see what he is. Is he a a hybrid? Can he get enough innings, or can he get stretched out enough where he could potentially even go back to being a starter? Uh, Is he a closer? I don't think so. I think they'll probably go with Gallegos in that role or maybe throw that up for grabs, and there's a chance that Jordan Hicks is healthy enough and strong enough to come back and eventually grab that closer spot again. That's a Ferrari that you kept in the garage all year last year that you couldn't use, and that was a shame. 
so, you know, they have options there, and that kind of opens it up for Reyes to do other things. I hope and I think that he will recover from a tough second half. This guy was in the All-Star game last year. He had a terrific first half moving into the closer's role. His problem is he walked too many people, yep. and he has really good stuff. You just have to get him into the mindset of trusting his stuff again and throwing strikes because he has so much bite on his breaking pitches, and he has so much heat on his fastball that he can. He can throw that ball uh, you know, either not down the middle but on the black and really do some damage. He's, he's one of the great ones when he is on. Hey, Tom, appreciate I have the best stuff on the team, actually. Appreciate your time. Hopefully, the next time we talk to you, you'll be in Florida at spring training and we can get caught up. Buddy, I am not breaking from my March 7th to March 29th plans. Mm-hmm. If I am told otherwise, then I will. But I'm. this is what I do every year, except for last year because of COVID. I didn't go to spring training for the first time in 20 years. But I am staying in my routine until I'm told otherwise. Well, make sure to tell your... <laughs> Tell the, the people that you're our spring training correspondent. <laughs> That's right. So That's right. We need you down there. I, you. <laughs> I know. How many times did I join you from standing on the you know on the warning track or whatever, yeah. and walking around? And, yeah, it's time. It's time. Let's go. Let's get going. Thanks, Tom. We appreciate your time as always. All right, buddy. Thank yeah. you, Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis at uh, ten forty nine. Need to take a break. We'll do that and be back with more. We'll keep the phone lines open if you'd like to join us after this. About seven minutes left on this edition of Illini Pella. Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Let's go to Michael calling in from Naples, Florida, our second call from Florida today. Go, go ahead, Michael. You're on the air. Good morning, Steve and Lauren. How are you guys doing? We're good. Uh, apparently, you're warmer than we are. We're at 23 degrees now. Yeah, it's 81 here, but we're missing the spring training, too, because we have the, both the Twins and the Red Sox here. And oh, yeah. It, it, it's Yeah, so it's a, it's a big deal for us down here also. But what I called to talk about, I kind of caught this doing some errands uh, for some work I have on Marco Island, and I heard the one guy call in, Lauren, and you know say that they played looser and all this, and it was just kind of, wow. <laughs> I mean, the only, the only thing that, Brad Underwood hurt Illinois at all was just the free throws, but my goodness, it's been a year, or well, it's been several years of basically Kofi gets killed every single time under the basket, and I think he had just had enough, and there is a silver lining. I've been hoping they would play Hawkins as a sort of an NBA-looking roster, you know, the five out, whatever you want to call it, but let Hawkins be the big man because Payne just... I mean, you know, I hope he someday becomes a player, but at this point, he he really just doesn't bring much besides a foul. I mean, it's almost a foul, instantaneous, and it it does bring a new wrinkle. You know, I ha- I hate to complain about the officiating, but I sure wish that Trent Frazier would have instead of trying to pass that last shot or last play, instead of trying to pass it, if he'd have tried to maybe throw it at the rim. Perhaps that makes them call that that body-on-body call. I don't know. I mean, but I guess my main reason for calling was, I mean, (laughs) Brad Underwood being on the floor 
is nothing but a positive for Illinois. I, it doesn't have anything to do with them playing looser. They changed the game, and we all know, and Lauren, you know this very well. When one team gets a lead like that, they play different, and it, it changes. I mean, you know, we're pressing, and it, it, it's just the nature of the game. Yeah, it's everybody kind of tends to become hesitant with the lead, with a big lead late in the game, and that's your chance to catch up, although it was a long, long pull to catch up in this one, and they didn't quite do it. it, it no, it, it really was. I mean, but if there's a, you know, Ohio State's good, and that, that Brandon that's right. is really good. Yeah. yeah, they're they're really good, and I mean, I don't think there's a outside of Purdue. I do think Purdue's probably better than any of the other teams in the Big Ten, but the rest of them are all in the middle. You know, Rutgers, Michigan State, Wisconsin. They're all pretty close to each other, so it's not a disgrace to lose to Ohio State. It's not good to get up and then lose the lead. That there's no question about that. But it, I just keep coming back to the silver lining for potentially for the NCAA tournament. Is, is that if they can come up with a way to be offensively effective by changing the game when Kofi isn't in the game, that could be a really good thing. Because, I, I mean, again, nothing against Omar Payne. He just doesn't bring – I mean, he basically comes in to, just so Kofi can sit. That's it. Okay, Michael. Good stuff. Thanks for the call. Yeah, Thanks for listening. Have a great – yeah, have a great Saturday. You Take too. Mm-hmm. 10.57 is the time on the show. The basketball team will leave at 2 o'clock this afternoon to get to Ann Arbor for that game, 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon at uh, Chrysler Arena. Some uh, Brad Underwood met with the media this morning and uh, just talked about that game a little bit and said that um, uh, R.J. Melendez will not play again after that appendectomy. He'll go to the doctor again and get reevaluated on Monday. Perhaps he could be back for the uh, game against Penn State later in the week. And Benjamin Vosmans-Verdonk will miss tomorrow's game as well, still in concussion protocol. He might have. There might have been a place for him to go in against um, yeah. uh, Dickinson. Uh, this is not a game where it's going to work well to, to play a smaller, uh, let's just say uh, Coleman-Hawkins would not fit against them when Dickinson is in the game. I don't think he can guard him. Right. I haven't looked. Let me look up real quick if they uh, have put a line on that game yet for tomorrow. But uh, sometimes they don't do it till the day of the game. We'll see. Um, no, no line yet. But uh, I would guess Mich- or, uh, Illinois is favored by a couple of points in that one. Oh, it's it's got to be pretty much of a toss-up. It I mean, really is in Big Ten games this time you know, of year. The, the, the game, the the the, the spread got confused the other day with the early report right. that uh, Liddell might not play. And, of course, we're all sitting there watching to see if he shows up, and he did 21 points worth. Yeah, those games last night, Iowa won its 20th game, 20th game. They're number 25 in the country. They beat Nebraska on the road by 10, 88-78. Penn State over Northwestern, 67-60. Two games today. Go Spartans at 11 a.m. as they play host to number 4 Purdue and then uh, go Scarlet Knights at 5 o'clock as they play host to number 13, Wisconsin. Big games. Those are big games. And then tomorrow, Illinois is one of four games, the first of four games tomorrow, the Illini and the Wolverines. Later on, you've got Ohio State and Maryland, Indiana and Minnesota, and Nebraska at Penn State. That's going to take care of things on this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Congratulations 
once again to uh, Robert Cosby. He was the winner of the uh, Game Day Spirit $50 gift card today. We're going to be giving away a similar gift every week on Saturday morning from our friends at Game Day Spirit. Thanks to our guests, Brandon Brown from the Wolverine Digest in Ann Arbor, former Illini basketball players Mike Davis and Frank Williams, Illinois Deputy Athletic Director Warren Hood, and Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. Thanks to all the folks that called on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Mr. Tate, we'll talk to you again soon. See you later. Watch some basketball this weekend, and have a good weekend, folks. WDWS 93.9 FM. WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly. Thanks to Dave Leak for his help on the show, and have a good weekend.